before I preach, just want to thank you all for your prayers, your encouragement. It was felt. It went well. The Lord was gracious to me. And two things. It's what I just did was very important. I had to go before our presbytery, before elders, ministers, to prove that I'm called and capable to do the work um, that, that God's called me to do. And that work is to um, preach to God's sheep, to preach to you, because your souls are very valuable to Christ. So it was very important. I don't want to speak down upon that, but it was important because I get to do this. So I'm very thankful and uh, blessed to be here. The other thing is, this is pretty much almost exactly what I preached um, on Friday. I've changed some things because you're not pastors and elders, um, but it's still pretty much the same sermon. Turn in your Bibles to John 3 and verse 16. John 3, 16. And please stand for the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son into the world. Use me now to preach uh, your word to your people. Hide me behind Christ, and may you speak to your sheep. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In your holy name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This sermon will focus on uh, verses 16 and 17, just those first two verses. And I focus on these verses... Because I'm prone to forget that God freely loves sinners. Are you prone to forget that God's love is a free love for sinners? When I look out on the world, I can become 
so depressed, so disgusted by the evil of the world. I look out and I see there's just so much wickedness. There's fornication and lewdness, abusers of children, divorce, murder, people rushing to murder their children, corrupt governments, hatred of God, lovers of self. You go on the internet, what do we see? Well, it's really just the heart of man opened up and exposed. Because all of it's just vile. It's filth shoved in your face. You don't even have to go and find it. It just comes and assaults you. You don't have to go to dark places to see it. And that's uh, all this looking out on the world. It leads me to cry out to God. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Break the jaws of the wicked. Cut them off. Do you not see what I see? It's evil. And I'm rightfully comforted by God's words. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. But then I come to John 3.16. And we're told God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And not only that, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. World here does not mean the planet or the earth or the universe. It means man. It means Adam and all his posterity. Wicked man, not just not good man or even morally neutral man, like he's a clean slate. It really means wicked men. You could just say, God so loved the world that he, God so loved the fallen race of man. We often want to protect God's reputation by saying, no, 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 world here means elect. But that's not what it says. God doesn't say he so loved the church or the elect. He says world. God sent his son to save the world. And let me be clear. I'm not a universalist. I'm reformed in my theology. We're not universalists. I wholeheartedly believe that Christ's death is applied only to the elect. That he saves the church. But can we please say what scripture says, that God so loved the world? He sent his son to save the world. It's right here that our souls should be lifted up. When we're reminded that God really does love sinners. That the father sent his son to save this world of sinners. God could have struck our father Adam dead in the garden. But instead he clothed him and promised him a savior. And why? So that our race would not perish, but be redeemed. God did not want man to be erased from the earth. So he sent his son who took on our flesh to redeem our race. 
This is what gives us so much hope. Does this not give you hope? God will save the world. This world. This vile, evil, corrupt, degenerate world. And we can be assured of it. Because he's promised it. That's what it says. When all is said and done, after the great white throne judgment, and, and that's been finished, the new Jerusalem is going to come out from down from heaven onto the new earth. And are we going to look around and go and say, well, I'm sure glad he saved you, me, Bob, and John. I'm sure glad he saved uh, Evangel Presbytery. I'm sure glad he saved some of us. No! <laughs> You're going to look around and it's going to be an innumerable number of people that you cannot count. That's what innumerable means. You're going to look around and the whole earth is going to be filled with people. The world will be saved. We will say, God saved the world. Mikhail, Claudio, and I drove up just 600 miles, just six hours, crossed only four states, and I was looking out, and I'm like, man, this land just keeps going and going and going, rolling hills. And I got to thinking, if the world gets saved, I can't know everybody all at once. There's going to be Christians on the other side of the globe. It's going to take eternity to get to know everybody. I don't think we just know everybody. God saves the world. B.B. Warfield gives a good illustration. He says, it's not as if the world went up in flames and then God is just plucking the ashes out of the, the fire and then he's putting them together and he's going, I saved the world. It's right there. I saved it. It's not just some tiny amount of people. It's a multitude that gets saved. God really saves the world. And why emphasize this point? Why, why am I really narrowing in on this? Because I know in my own heart I can be so cynical. I can become so depressed by all the evil and the wickedness around us that my joy gets robbed. Have you ever been robbed of your joy? Then I just want to go, I walk around and I'm in the grocery store and I'm just like, look at all these sinners around me. Have you ever done that? And then I just go, God, what a hopeless mess. Burn it up. I mean, I'm, we're not very far from the disciples who when the Samaritans rejected Jesus, do you remember this? The Samaritans reject Jesus and they say, Lord, do you want us to call down from heaven for fire to come and consume them? It's like, no. And he rebuked them. Okay, now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay. I'm not saying either we have imprecatory prayers or we have the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. We read Psalm 137 today. Not many churches will read Psalm 137. Did you know that? Blessed is the one who will dash 
your the little ones against the rock. And we said, thanks be to God. Imprecatory prayers are good. And you should rightfully comfort yourself with imprecatory prayers. And with the justice and holiness of God. In our passage itself, we read, those who do not believe have been judged already. But our emotions must be tempered. We must remember that God loves sinners. That God will save the world. Have both. Feel the tension. We must be reminded that God really does love sinners. Warfield went, on, um, went as far as to say that God loving the world actually means God loves the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because you and I were of the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's a quote. In, in my licensure sermon, I left it at that. And afterwards, two men came and asked me about it because they were like, it sounds kind of heretical. It's like, well, I, I don't want to uh, be a heretic in a licensure sermon. So I'll add one more level of explanation. Warfield, what he meant and what he says is, the love of God for the world, the flesh, and the devil is not a complacent love, but a love of benevolence. It's a love that saves it saves us from our worldliness and fleshliness and devilishness. That's the love of God. And we should comfort ourselves with this because you and I were of the flesh and the devil and the world. We too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Do you remember what you were before God saved you? We are prone to forget that we were saved from sins. We were sinners. We were the world. Our pride is of such a terrible nature that when we want God to, uh, that we want God to owe us salvation. We want to add something to God's love for us. No, 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 God, you didn't save me out of your free love. There's something I, I bring something. There has to be some reason you would save me. I mean, I, I'm, I know I'm not good, but I mean, but I'm not that bad. I mean, there's. I, Look how, look how much I've done for your church, Lord. Surely you saved me because there's a lot that I can do that you need me for. I mean, we treat it as if God really needs us. No, no, no. God doesn't need you. He freely loved you while you hated him, while you were dead in your sins. And this is Christ's whole point to Nicodemus in John 3. 
right before this, this is the context of this passage. He tells Nicodemus, you had nothing to do with your salvation. You, you need to be born again. You had nothing to do with your first birth, Nicodemus. So you will have nothing to do with your second birth. When Jesus, when, we're, when, when the Holy Spirit saves us, it's not as if we cast a vote into that decision making. When your parents had you, you had no, no part in the decision. They did something and out came you. So it is with the second birth. You have nothing to do with your salvation. The Holy Spirit blows where he wishes. He comes to whoever he wants. And he takes that dead sinner. And he puts him in his holy womb. And rebirths them. We need to be reminded. That we were dead in our sins. We don't deserve this. We also need to be reminded of God's free love. Because we're not easily convinced that God loves us. It's hard to really believe God freely loved me. That he saved me from my sins. The more we're acquainted with our vileness and our sinfulness. The harder it is for us to trust in God's love. For us. For me. And the devil knows this. This is why he accuses us constantly. He attacks us with our own sins. He brings uh, the sins of our youth back to our consciences and tells us, there's no way God loves you. There's no way God could forgive you. There's no way that Jesus would die for you. Do you know how many people you've hurt? Down to this very day, the consequences of your sin, you're nothing more than a hypocrite. And you know what you should tell him? Satan, you are right. I'm a vile man. And every sin you've thrown at me, I have committed. I've done it all. I'm a sinner. But God gave me his only begotten son. And I believed on him who cannot lie. I've looked to the son of man who was raised up on that cross. And I believed on him. And I've been healed. And you know how I know this? Because God promised it. Because he loves me. And then you tell him, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Isn't it so freeing when we can just condemn ourselves? When we can say, I am a sinner. When we just cling solely to the cross of Christ. Doesn't it bring comfort to you? To just bask in the love of God. To just let the love of God shine on you. And warm you up. Preach the love of God to yourself. 
preach this love to yourself. Yes, ministers must preach the gospel, but preach the gospel to yourself. Speak to yourself. Meditate on God's love for you. Pastor Tim Bailey, he told us in one of our uh, recent class we had, that he spent a long time thinking about the gospel. What's the, what's the gospel? He actually spent a long time thinking about it. And you know what his conclusion was? God forgives sins. That's the gospel. God forgives sins. Brothers and sisters, we must be told that we have sins. We need to be told what our sins are and that God forgives our sins. He really does forgive our vile sins that we have committed. There's no sin too great or too small that Jesus can't forgive. This is how the world gets saved. This, this is how the world gets saved. Not by a politician. Not by an educational program. Not by practicing paedo communion. Not by podcasts and news sources. Not even by good behavior. The world gets saved by Jesus. He saves the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Finally, brothers and sisters, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God could freely love a vile man like me, while I was yet a sinner, surely I should love those around me. If God could love you while you hated him, surely we can bear with one another. Yes, it is hard. I, it is hard to love each other. My sister came up yesterday, well, Friday, and left yesterday. She might watch this sermon, so I'll freely embarrass her, but it's not that embarrassing. I'll embarrass myself. My sister came, and our relationship is what you could call strained. And it's strained because of me strained because of her, but it's because of me. I look down on my sister. It's hard for me to love my sister. And I told, I mean, I had to tell her. We had a hard conversation. Like, I'm a jerk. I'm more than that. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
I need to love you. And and it ended well. It ended very well because I to, I told her the gospel, and I am trying even better every conversation. I try a little harder to not be such a jerk. It's so proud. And I just try to tell her, look, God, God forgives sinners. Don't let me be a hindrance to you coming to faith. Um, this isn't in my notes. Sorry. I, but I know how hard it is for us to love each other. So keep the love of God at the forefront of your mind so that you'll love others so that you'll love your sister and your brother, so that you'll love each other in the church. Because remember what our Lord said on the night in which he was betrayed. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Fill us up with your love that we would love each other. Help us to forgive each other, to bear up with one another. Help us to love the world, not to be conformed to it, but to love it enough to preach the gospel to our neighbor and to freely love wicked men so that the world would be saved. In the holy, blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.